Hi, I'm Dawn Shark and welcome to The Real and True EDU. Today we will be talking about representation in school libraries, what that means, why it's important, and how to achieve it. With me today is Dr. Heather Moorfield-Lang, Assistant Professor in Library and Information Science from the University of North Carolina in Greensboro, former school librarian and good friend of mine. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about representation and diversity in um, school libraries. And I've been doing a lot of thinking and reading about diversity. And something that kind of came across a couple of times in the last couple of weeks for me is talking about diversity within diversity, meaning representation or diversity is not just one story. So if you were talking about a um, Latinx story, that doesn't mean it's all about immigration. There's layers of stories and stories within stories. Yes. So we're talking about um, cultures, any cultures are going to talk about LGBTQ stories, family structures, history, um, and sort of crossovers of things like Black History Month and Women's Month and how we need to separate those things out and talk about them, but also have them part of the whole fabric of our curriculum in schools. Yes. So I'm going to start out just by asking you, um, why do you think representation in school libraries is important? Well, representation in school libraries is important because we have been perfectly fine with reading white stories from white authors and accepting them for a very long time. And that's not okay. We have students of color. We have teachers of color. We have students who have a wide range of accessibilities. We have students who have a wide range of needs. We have LGBTQ students, LGBTQIA, excuse me. We have students who have lots of different lives, lots of different backgrounds. And we have authors who want to share their stories, who are writing their stories, have been writing their stories for years, decades. And we are starting to see some changes, but we're not seeing enough. It's still, gosh, I don't have my data in front of me, but it's still heavy percentages of over 50% are still heavily Caucasian, white, cis, non-LGBTQ stories that are being published. Some of its publishers, some of its writers, some of it's what's being chosen, some of it's what's being sold. So it boils down to what are we purchasing as librarians? What are we having in our libraries? What are we um, um, pushing to, to be read? What are we talking about in our libraries? Um, what are we putting out on our e-newsletters? What are we sending out on our morning news programs? What are we reading? Because, right. you know, this is, representation matters because our students need to see themselves in their stories. And even our Caucasian students need to be reading stories about lives that aren't just representative of theirs. Exactly, exactly. And I was actually, um, I don't know if you've seen on Netflix the um, very brief series called um, Pretend It's a City with Fran Lebowitz. Yes, and yes, I have. Okay, so she's talking about 
um, she's interviewing with or talking with Toni Morrison mm -hmm. and they're having like this conversation. And Toni Morrison is saying just that, that, that people need to see themselves in stories. Yes. And Fran yeah. Lebowitz, the white woman sitting there is saying, no, they don't. <laughs> they need to see other worlds. They need to, you know, it shouldn't be a mirror. It should be a door. And, you know, there's an argument for that, but over on the other side of that door should be something other than what you look like. Technically it's all of those, you know, we, we discuss right. in school library classes, mirrors, doors, sliding doors, entrances into other worlds, um, you know, but also being comfortable and okay with, you know, a white child picking up a book and, and enjoying a book, not just that this is a, a, a read for class or whatever, but going to a store, going to a library and going, I want to read a Jason Reynolds book. I want to read a Kwame Alexander book. I want to read, um, you know, The Hate You Give. I want to read Dumplin. I want to read about characters that aren't just like me. Let's read about other worlds. Let's read about exactly. other lives. I think that that in especially in the white community, we, we live in such a bubble mm -hmm. that if we don't burst that bubble, then kids are going to grow up not really having any sense of not just understanding, not just acceptance. I don't really like acceptance. I'm now tolerance. I really don't like. But but mo but more than that, like like integrating themselves into the community. Yes. And it's yeah, also important so. for school librarians to burst that bubble and also not have to fight or be punished when they burst that bubble. If they are offering, you know, I was a teenage fairy every day or any other books that are out there, especially with LGBTQIA characters, that they are not being raked across the coals and punished to be able to offer the lives of students that we know are in the schools. Um, to be able to represent and offer those stories, not only to students who want to read about their lives, but also to their cisgender friends who want to read about their friends' lives. Right, exactly. And that's a, a beautiful way of, of, of opening that door mm -hmm. to, to sort of towards um, acceptance and towards, you know, seeing that there is something other than, than me and then what I see every day, yes. you know, when I go home, when I'm out in the world and all that. Um, and so you kind of, you touched on this already a little bit, but, but when I'm thinking about like, when we, when we don't have that, I hadn't really thought about like what happens to the librarian mm. <laughs> who, who's trying to diversify. Um, and I, I think that's kind of an interesting take on that of like, it's not just the kids, it's, you know, the community as a whole that the librarian is, is dealing yes. with and trying to, to open up. Um, and, and I hear a lot about, you know, you, you're, do, you're advocating, you're, you're purchasing, you're doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I live in the South. I'm not at all surprised that there's pushback, but, or anywhere really. But um, so I want, I wanted to ask you about um, speaking of school librarians, so we start talking about diversifying and we talk about representation. How important is that for the adults in a school, for the adults in the library, for the kids to be able to see representation? So school librarianship is still predominantly middle-aged, though that's getting better, and white, and that's still a work in progress. We're, we're 
continuing to recruit. We continue to work towards having a more diverse role, um, a more diverse field. Um, and it, it boils down to so many things. Um, first off, it is recruiting. Um, also, it's, but it goes even further. There's so much history to it that going all the way back to, okay, so as children, do we see ourselves represented in the books in the library? Is the library a location that is welcoming for all students, students of color, students of all abilities? And so if a library is a place that you love and is welcoming, is this a place that you might one day want to teach in a school or work in a library? So are we fostering an environment? And that's a lot to put on an entire school, an entire life, an entire, you know, but that does change things. If you're seeing that your librarian is a woman or a man of color, if you're seeing it's a little bit more difficult if you're seeing that your librarian is LGBTQIA or if your librarian uses a walker or a cane or a wheelchair or they're visually impaired or hearing impaired. If you're seeing a wide range of representations with your librarian, that opens up a whole other world. But many of us are, you know, cisgender white women, you know, and it just is kind of what it is. And, you know, so there's some things that are easier to identify, you know, yep, that's a white lady. Heather's a white lady. Sure. You know, and it is what it is. So how does that white lady go about? Was she um, passionate about making sure that there was a wide range of things to read, graphic novels, lots of books, making sure that the teachers and the the students in the community had the books that they needed and materials that they needed and the technology? Or did this person shut things down? Or did they say, right. you can't read that, that's above your level, or you can't do that, or you can't, what was the language? What was the messaging? Was it positive? Was it negative? Because that can change things. Then in college, what are we doing to um, incorporate and to um, urge young people of color, young men of color to uh, come into education? Um, I know in my department, I mean, I'm out there selling it like Geico. I mean, I'm out there. Are you interested in doing librarianship? Are you interested in working in K through 12? Let me tell you about a whole other field you haven't even thought about. I mean, I'm out there every university I've ever worked for because I think librarianship and school librarianship is like the best gig. And so I'm always telling people how awesome it is and what you can do. And the thing is, is we've got you know, a wide range of opportunities, a wide range of jobs. And we've got a lot of places that need librarians. And so it's also about that recruitment. But then it's also about support. Can we support our students? Um, so it's working on grants. It's making sure that you have financial support. Um, it's making sure that you have support for them in their systems. And so there's a lot of different aspects and portions um, out, you know, within both the university and the school systems. Uh, so there's a lot there, you know, to make sure that you've got that representation. Um, but there's a lot of things right. we can and do. Let me let me ask you this, because I know, you know, at the university, you guys do a lot for, for recruiting and supporting. But from what I've seen, I'm not a school librarian. I am working toward that. But what I have seen through the years is that the school librarian is not always the person that's getting the most support within yeah, the school. Yeah, and that is something um, we're, sometimes, yeah, yes. it depends on the system, it depends on the county, it depends on the principal, and that's the reason why we teach advocacy in our classes. That's the reason why we at UNCG, we in the five different universities that offer librarianship, we're continuously working towards, uh, we're writing letters, 
we're at state leadership, we're out there. Um, and we're also doing things like um, April Dawkins and I at UNC Greensboro, we already meet with pre-service principals to engage with them on the importance of school librarians. So getting them in the door, but it's harder getting the ones who are already in the school. We write letters, we send information, we invite them to state conferences, we invite them to national conferences. So we're out there, we're out there advocating too. We're not just teaching our students to advocate, but we're out there on the sidewalks, we're talking to legislators, we're out there advocating as well. Again, I saw it like I go. Yeah, but it's true. You know, I, I, I think about like how they're so tied to their curriculum, to their testing, to all these things. And I see principals that push, you know, really worst practices and getting kids literate and get it, you know, and, and like we talk about lifelong learners. Nobody's a lifelong learner because they took a no. test, you know, and and yet the world of like the library, I, you know, I, I can't imagine you can find any person who went to a library as a kid who does not have really good memories of being in that the, library and who have been affected lifelong because the thing of is, is that now and, I can produce you know, data that actually shows in both, um, I believe it's North Carolina and Virginia or North Carolina, South Carolina. We actually have direct correlational data to state tests and having school librarians. Yeah, I can't. I I am not surprised at all because if a kid wants to read because they love to read, then they go into their test with a better. I don't even want to say better, but mm -hmm. different attitude, you know, and and not so much afraid of it as oh, this is something I'm going to read now. Um, so yeah, it's it's crazy. So let me ask you one other question, which is a little off my my thing here, but so we, we were talking about the adults and and representation. And, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot through my career because I teach English as a sure. different language and I'm a, you know, white now, I don't want to say middle age, but some people would. Um, well, <laughs> if I am, you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, it depends how long one thing you're going to live. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I'm, I've been teaching right now, all my kids are, are, from sure. Spanish-speaking countries, but I've taught kids from all over the world, and here I am, you know, the white lady that, that's mm -hmm. teaching them English, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people back and forth about, you know, whether I'm the, the right person to be to be doing that, um, and, you know, one of my arguments is, well, I'm, the, I'm a native speaker, and I'm teaching them my language, and, and that's a good thing, and also, I, sorry, I'm a really good teacher, and I feel like I, I bring a lot to the table, but I do not bring mm. that diversity. Right. Um, and 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 then I, you know, I look around my school and my school is something like 62 percent Latino and we do not have one full time staff member of any level in our school, not one. And that's where I look and say, OK, I might be, you know, I might see myself as the right person in this job because I know how to teach it well, but I do not see not having anyone that represents them in this building who speaks their language, you know, as a mm -hmm. native speaker who looks like them. That's no, not okay. and I agree. And, and I don't see any, any, um, any push, any, any like, like urgency to do something about that. And I think that's kind of where, you know, there's, there's some harm. There I agree. Because it, it 
you know, that, oh, no, no, and I'm interrupting you. That's that's administrative level. That is that's administrative level the whole way. District, school. And yeah. I don't have the answer. I've, I have to say this a lot in my class. I don't have the answer. I mean, that that pulls down to a push with ESL within the ESL department at the county level. I mean, there's a lot there. There's a, there's just a lot there. And yeah. I don't have, I can't just be like, well, flippantly, this is what you should do, um, you know, because you used to say, well, you should hire more. Okay, fine. Let me, let me hire more Spanish-speaking, Latina, Latinx um, teachers. Okay, where am I going to find them? Okay, let me go find them. And then, you know, it's right. It goes back I, to the same question you asked me about librarians. It's making sure that we are raising them up you know, not raising them up, but encouraging them, you know, bringing them in from, you know, just it's, it, it starts way earlier than what we're talking about now. It's, it's years of encouragement and recruitment and bringing people in. And right now who wants to come into education? Um, because right now we're not treating educators and teachers the way that they should be. You know, it's either between it's a service and you should just be happy you've got a job or, um, are you vilified? Leave my kids alone. Or it's a whole other soapbox. And when we look at other countries and how educators are treated, when we look at during this pandemic and how our entire society came to a standstill because kids couldn't go back to school, you know, it's like they are essential and you're not treating your educators as essential as they are. But with the diverse roles, right. you know, it boils down to this is a critical job and you want to make sure that you're not just looking at people of color going into another role of service. While yes, it is a service job. Yes, we know we are in a line of service. It is also a job that should be encouraged and loved and, you know, embodied, revered. revered. Exactly. And the way I see it in other countries, that's not how it's, well, I guess I'll go teach. No, it's not something that you settle on. It is something that you have to be passionate about or why do it? It is, there's a huge historical right. element to it. You know, it was typically a female and still is in many ways, it very much a female role. It's, you know, because it's, you know, a, a calling, you know, you should be, you know, you have the job and you should take any money that you're offered. No, a calling doesn't mean that I, you know, take pennies. It's, it's exactly a doctor. Exactly. A they make money. Uh. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's the mentality of educators here in the U.S. and how they are treated. That's a complete mind change. And I'm very excited not to get political of who we have in our nation's leadership, um, I am hopeful that there's a definite change towards education because it is so yeah, important. Absolutely. Everything we do, everything you choose to do in life comes from what you have learned in your schools. Exactly. And your library. Yeah, who are in the schools. Um, and your library. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and we really do love it when people say, um, you should be happy you have your yeah. job. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I am happy I have my job, but not in that kind of way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, Heather, we are yes. out of time, and I am so happy that you are here and willing to chat with me on all of this um, and uh, look forward to perhaps down the road another. Sure. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank All you. Right. Thank you.